I love Sundays. I love church. Success starts on Sundays in God's house, lifting up the name of Jesus, hearing God's word. And I'm so glad you're taking time out to worship with us today. If you're a guest, welcome to People's Church. We're so, so glad to have you here. This back to school season, school starting back uh, this week for the majority of our schools. And how many of you are excited for your children to go back to school? I heard somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> uh, it's exciting season for us, and our back-to-school carnival is next Sunday. We don't do this for us. We do this for our community. It's one of our goals at People's Church to create opportunities, create environments to make it as easy as possible for you to invite a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a student at school to church so they can come and experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And so this week, personally, I'm taking those invite cards. I'll be inviting five people this week. And I want you to grab those cards today and invite people. I believe Jesus is going to use you to see some lives change as you step out in faith and invite in the grocery store at your workplace, in your neighborhood, at your school. Invite people to be here next week. And I want to encourage you to get on Facebook uh, this week. Uh, today would be a great day to do it. And on Facebook, you'll see on the People's Church page, you'll see the Wild World video. Would you share that video on your Facebook page and let your friends and family know about it? And it's always more effective if you will write a comment, something like, I can't wait for uh, the, the back to school carnival, absolutely free, looking forward to this next Sunday at People's Church. And just share it with your friends and family. It's a great way to invite somebody to church next week and you just never know who's going to respond and have their life changed just because you clicked shared and wrote, write a comment. And today we're beginning a four week series and I think I'm excited about every series that I preach but I'm really excited about how God's going to use this, not only for in your life, he's going to impact your life, but I really believe he's going to impact a lot of people who are not familiar with church or don't go to church regularly, not familiar with the scriptures, and really enlighten people and strengthen their faith. And this next four weeks, I'm going to be answering some difficult questions about what God can't do. You're saying, Pastor, are you saying that God has limitations. Are you saying there are some things that God can't do? Yes. I'm saying there are some limitations on God. Matter of fact, there are some things I can do that God can't do. There are some things you can do that God can't do. And I want to begin by starting by first explaining to you that God is all powerful. There, 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 there are no limits to his strength. God's um, omniscient. He, he knows all. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. And the Bible teaches us that not only did God create the heavens and the earth, but our God is so powerful that he actually holds all of creation together. It says it like this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He's that powerful. He created everything. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And notice this, and he holds all creation 
together. God holds all of creation together. He is the one that keeps the planets in the sky. He's the one that not only hung the sun and the moon, but he's the one that keeps the sun from coming too close close to the earth. Your God does the impossible. God does miracles. And you say, Pastor, how can a God who keeps the entire world in his hand and keeps all of creation together, how can he be limited? Because God can't go against his own nature. His very character will not allow him to do some things. The best way that I can describe it is as you and I, as human beings, we have DNA. And our DNA are, are, is what makes us a human. We have human DNA. Now, you might say, who let the dogs out? But you're not a dog. I don't care how much you bark. You're not a tiger. You're not a lion. You're not a monkey. You're not an elephant. You're not a flower. You're not an ant. You have human DNA. And no matter what you do, you can't change the fact that you are a human. You have human DNA. Now, now 98% of all humans have the same DNA. It's the one or 2% of, of our DNA that makes us unique, that gives us our unique characteristics. But, and even if you try to change your characteristics, you're still a human. You can pop in colored contacts. I'll look at some of you. You don't got green eyes. I know them not your eyes. You can, you can get, 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 get your hair all whipped and add some, add, add, add some extensions to your hair and flip it around. You can, you can get your body operated on. You can get your hair changed. You can change your hair color to purple or red or yellow. But it doesn't matter what you do, you still have human DNA. You are a human and God has God DNA. And God cannot go against his own DNA. He cannot go against his own nature. He cannot change his God-like characteristics. Friends, understand this about God. God cannot change who he is. The scripture says this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. I am the Lord. I do not change. The psalmist said in Psalm 102 and verse 27, but you, you are always the same. You live forever. God's always the same. He does not change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James chapter one and verse 17. I want you to understand God has God-like DNA. God care. He's a God. He has God DNA, God characteristics, and he does not change. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God can't change. God can't change his DNA. He cannot change his nature. He cannot go against his nature. And here's one of the big things that you need to know about your unchanging God. And that is this. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Titus chapter one and verse two says this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world 
began. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible. It's impossible. You can lie. I can lie. But it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge and can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. God cannot lie. He never has lied. He never will lie. But there are some that would say, Pastor, I have a hard time believing that God cannot lie. I'm not sure that I buy into that. And I want to talk about that for a few moments. I want to talk about four reasons why some people believe God lies. Four reasons why some people believe God lies. And and, and the first reason is this. Some people believe God lies because people believe the Bible isn't true. They believe the Bible isn't true. Uh, They believe the Bible, you know, God doesn't lie. Well, of course you would say that because you're reading from the Bible and the Bible says, and how do I know if the Bible is true? How do I know if the Bible is accurate? And I want to say this to you. There is a lot of evidence that the Bible is true. There's a lot of evidence that the Bible is God's word. There's prophetic evidence. Did you realize there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus alone? There are a whole lot more prophecies in scripture that have been fulfilled. But there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus alone. And these are not just general prophecies like he'll be nice. He'll be kind. No, they were very specific prophecies that were that, that, that were prophesied. Year, they were foretold, They were talked about years, thousands, hundreds, and thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. And they were specific, like where he'd live and where, where he would be born, and where, that, that he would flee from Egypt, that that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. David prophesied about the crucifixion of Jesus before they were even crucifying people. Because the prophecies of Jesus are, they're true, they've been fulfilled. A a man named Dr. Peter Stoner did an an entire study called Science Speaks. It's an interesting study. And he pulled together 600 probability researchers. and, And here's what they found out. They found out that it was nearly impossible odds for even just eight not not forget the 300, for eight of those prophecies about Jesus to come to fruition It was just nearly impossible. As they did the study, they picked out eight, and here's what they found out, that the odds of just one is one in 10 to the 17th power for all eight to be fulfilled. That's a really big number. Say, Pastor, how big of a number is that? Well, here's here's how big it is. Here's what they discovered. That number is so big that if you took silver dollar coins and you put them in the state of Texas, it would take enough silver dollar coins to, to, be, to, 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 to make that number that they would be standing two feet high throughout the entire state of Texas. And how many know Texas is a big old state? 14 hours long drive from El Paso to Texarkana. It is a big honking non-college football state. I mean, it's big. <laughs> I slid that in on you just real, real quick. It's a big state. And then if you take one, just one silver dollar, you would mark it red. Here's what they found out. And then you put somebody in Oklahoma in a helicopter. You blindfolded them and said, now, now you got to go find the one red silver dollar coin. I'm putting you over the state of Texas. Tell me when to stop. 
They said, stop now. And they would reach down and grab a coin. And, and that would be the chances of those eight prophecies coming to pass that that person would pick that one red coin out of the entire state of Texas. I'm telling you that God's word is true. There's archaeological evidence. There's scientific evidence. And if you want more evidence about the validity of the Bible, I did an entire series two years ago. Go to peoples.church and and look at the series called The Bible on Trial. I put the Bible on trial and I I preached some messages about the, the validity of the Bible being God's word. The Bible is true. It's God's word. Here's a second reason. is Some people believe God lies because humans lie. Well, one of the reasons it's hard for people to believe that God doesn't lie is because you lie. We lie. We've all lied. I remember growing up as a kid, one of the worst lies I ever told, I just said one of them, I've told more than one. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, but one of them that I told when I was a kid. I remember my mom and dad, we, we had a gravel driveway and my mom and dad would often park their cars in it and they would always tell us, don't throw rocks. Don't throw rocks in that driveway. You can play, but don't throw rocks. Well, one day, me and my brother and sister were outside playing, and we were bored. You know, we didn't have Nintendo Switches back then. You know what I'm talking about? So you, you made up stuff, you know what I mean? So we started grabbing rocks. We started throwing it at, at each other. We were throwing rocks at each other, throwing rocks. And the next thing you know, one of us threw a rock, and it went through my mama's window. And we knew. They told us not to throw rocks. So I pulled my brother and sister together. I said, I got an idea. We're going to tell them that some people came by screaming and cussing at us. And they were mean, yelling at us. And they grabbed and they started throwing rocks at us. And they threw it. And they hit mama's window. And they took off running. My brother and sister, we got it. So I was the ringleader. I got mama and daddy out the house. I said, hey, you, you don't want me. You won't believe what happened. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. They were scary. And they believed me. They believed me. They believed me. Somebody asked me, have you ever told your parents? Nope, but my dad's finding out today online. That's how he's finding out. <laughs> we did it. Yes, that was us. That was us. We, we all have lied at some point in our life. And every once in a while, some of you Christians, every once in a while, you still tell a lie. Some of you tell a lie every day. Some of you tell a lie every hour. You're going to lie before you leave church today. You got issues. We know it. You got issues. We, we, we lie so much, they even created machines called lie detectors. We lie so much. And because we lie so much, we think God has to lie. But God doesn't have human DNA. He has God DNA. God does not lie. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, nor a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Listen, God is not a human. God cannot lie because it would go against his very nature. It would go against his very DNA. God never says one thing and does another. God God never promises you something and then does not deliver. He always delivers. You can count on God. Some people believe God lies because their experience doesn't line up with what they think God should do. So some people think, you know what? God has to be a liar because he never healed my body. 
God, God, God is a liar. I prayed for my family to be healed, and God never healed my family. So, so God has to be a liar. And friends, God never promised that he would heal everybody in this lifetime on this earth. But, but yet, though he doesn't heal everybody, he's still a healer. He, he's still a miracle worker. There, there are some people that would say, well, God hasn't blessed me the way that I would want him to bless me, the way I think he should bless me. So I think, therefore, God must be a liar. And people think, because I'm going through pain, I'm going through struggle, I'm going through hurt, I'm going through difficulties. So therefore, God must be a liar. But God never promised us a life free of pain, a, a life free of hurt, a, a life free of struggle, a life free of difficulty. That, that's a lie from the end enemy God never promised that to you and I matter of fact there are things in this life that we will never understand this side of heaven we'll just never understand some of the things that happen in life and matter of fact if you're trying to understand and you're saying well if there's a God I should understand everything you know what if you ever do under understand everything that means you're God you just never understand it all. Matter of fact, I don't want to serve a God that I can reduce down to my own limited thinking. That's a small God. If he thinks like I think, then I'm God. And just because our experience doesn't line up with what we think God should do doesn't mean there's not a God. Your pain and struggle doesn't make God a liar. It makes you human. It makes you human. Number four is this. Some people believe God lies because the devil is a liar. Let me remind you, there is a player, player on the spiritual battlefield who lives to say one thing and to do another. He lives to lie. He, he lives to be inconsistent. John chapter 8 and verse 44 says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And one of the devil's biggest tactics, one of his one of his weapons that he loves to use on humanity is to lie and to whisper in people's ears and to get them to believe that there is no God. And if he can't get people all the way there, then he wants to get people to believe that, that, listen, God can't be trusted because God is a liar. He's inconsistent. He's been doing this since the very beginning of creation with Adam and Eve. Let me take you there. I want you to see how the enemy operates. He wants you to doubt God. He doesn't want you to trust God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Notice the first thing he says to the woman. Did God really say? The first thing he says to humanity is getting people to doubt God. He's always been doing this. Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. I mean, God doesn't know what he's talking about. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Notice the, what the enemy says in verse four. You will, not you, you, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, he said, listen, God's lying to you. You're not going to die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God isn't who he says he is. You can be like God yourself. You can be just like him. Eat from the tree. Listen, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Eat that fruit. You'll be like God. God's a liar, liar, pants. And that is what the enemy 
wants people to believe the devil is a liar and he loves to sneak and be crafty and deceptive and to get people to believe there's not a God. And I can't get you there. If I can't get you there, you know what? You know what? You can't trust him. He's a liar. Did God really say? He's inconsistent. And friends, let me tell you, God doesn't lie. God is not a liar. The devil is a liar. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus says. Jesus is, is truth and he tells the truth. He says this in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. Come here, everybody shout the truth. You didn't shout it. Come on, shout the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Notice Jesus didn't say, I tell the truth. He didn't say, I point to the truth. He didn't say, I stand for truth. He didn't say, I represent the truth. He says, no, I am the truth. That's my DNA. That's who I am. You catch me in a lie. I'm not God because I am the truth. You and I don't have to seek after truth. We now can just seek after Jesus because Jesus is truth. God is truth and he'll never lie to you and let me tell you this you can trust him that's what that's what I really want you to take away today some of you have doubts about God and can I trust him what is he real and and and, and, and is, is he for me listen you can trust God three things you can trust about God I want to give you three things you can trust about God because God does not lie here's the first thing you can trust God's promises you can trust God's promises because God can't lie. We can hold on to the promises of God we find in scripture. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse 18 says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no for the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him, in Christ, it has always been Yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. God's promises are always a confident yes. They are a sure thing. It's so important for you to understand it. Matter of fact, a little later in this series, I'm going to come back and I'm going to unpack some of this for you because it's so foundational that you understand you can trust the promises in the word of God. It's huge. God cannot lie. You need to know this. You can trust God's promises. Here's, here's a second thing I want you to understand. A second thing you can trust about God because God does not lie. Number two, you can trust God's character. You can trust God's character. Since God cannot lie, since he does not change, you can trust his character. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this to you. You can trust that God is love. God is love. You can trust that. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is not trying to love. God is love. That's his DNA. That's what makes him God. God is love. God loves you. On your worst day, God loves you because God is love love when you have blown it and made the work mistake worst mistake of your life God loves you somebody needs to hear that today God loves you 
God is love. That's his character. You can trust that about God. Here's the second thing you can trust about God's character. God is compassionate and gracious. He's compassionate and gracious. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6 says, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You can trust God's DNA and his character that God is a compassionate God. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? God cares about you. Pastor, does God really care about what I'm going through? He cares about what you're going through. He loves you so much and cares about you so much. He doesn't not, not only know how many hairs you have on your head, he has them numbered. He cares about you and what you're going through. And he's not only is he compassionate, but he's gracious. He's a gracious God. He, he's, a, he's a God of a second chance and a, and a third chance. Anybody grateful that he's a God of a fourth chance and a, and a fifth chance and a seventh? Anybody grateful that he's a God of a hundred chance and, and a thousand? Anybody grateful that he's a gracious God? That's who he is. Pastor, I've blown it. I've messed up so many times. I wonder if God will have grace on me. Oh, yes, he will. Because his very nature, his very character is a God of compassion and grace. Here's the third thing about God's character that you can trust because God does not lie. God is just. God is just. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Friends, God is always just. He always does the right thing. You, you can trust this. God is just and fair in all his decisions. He's just. He's fair. You can count on it. He always makes the right decisions. You can trust his justice. Here's, here's, here's the fourth thing that you have to understand about God. God is good. God is good. Psalm chapter 25 and verse 8 says, the Lord is good and does what is right. We just talked about that. It's just and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Psalm chapter 118 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. People's church, understand this about your God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Pastor, I wonder if God's doing some bad things to me. No, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Pastor, does God got a little evil in him, and he's trying to get me? No, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is God is good. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his DNA. I want to give you a third thing you can trust about good. We just looked at the character of God. You can count on it. You can trust it. A third thing is you can trust God's motives. This is huge for you to grasp and understand. You can trust God's motives. God's motives and intentions are for you. God is not against you. God is for you. God has your best interest in mind. There are some people that say, Pastor, Pastor, man, I, I don't want to trust God. I don't really want to surrender all of my life to God because God may make me do something I don't want to do. And listen, if God 
ask you to do something that you don't want to do, you need to do it because God has your best interest in mind. If you follow your own human thinking, you're falling into a trap. God's way, even when you don't understand it, you need to follow God's way because God has your best interest in mind. His plan is always better than your plan. His plan is always better than your plan. You got to stop trusting you and start trusting God. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future if you'll follow my way, not your way. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And some of us today, we're leaning on our own understanding on our own wisdom, on our own ingenuity, on our own creativity. He says, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't lean on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways, submit to, submit to him, submit to God, submit everything to God. Here's what he says. He will make your paths straight. You see, if you trust in you, you will always end up on a crooked path. It doesn't matter how straight it looks. Eventually, if you follow your own human wisdom, you're going to end up on a crooked path. But if you will trust God, no matter how crooked the path may look, even though you may not understand it all, God is God says, listen, I'm going to direct you and guide you and make your paths straight. Notice God didn't say they all started straight. But if you will follow me, I will make your paths straight. He will guide you. Trust God. Trust God with your relationships. Trust God with your marriage. Quit trying to do it your way. Trust God with your children. Trust God with your workplace. Trust God with your money. Trust God with your decisions. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your faith. Trust the Lord today. Say, God, I'm going to do it your way, not my way. Your way is the right way. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm trusting your way. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to worship every day. I'm going to be in church every Sunday. I'm going to be in a small group. I'm going to do it your way. Listen, some of you today, you need to follow God's way. You need to get to growth track today. Week two of growth track starts today. Following this service, say, God, I'm doing it your way. I'm following the path that you've laid out for me at my church. Listen, get on, do it God's way. Some of you, God's speaking about being a small group leader. Our small group semester starting the last Sunday of this month. And God has been stirring some of your hearts about leadership, about loving people, about caring for people. And you need to step out and be a small group leader. And can I tell you, you you can lead a small group. It It could be watching football. It could be basketball. It could be reading the Bible together. It could be a Bible study. It could be a bicycle group. It could be a grilling group. It could be a fried chicken group. I might come to that group. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying, whatever you're passionate about, God can use it to help gather people and to see their lives change. Matter of fact, this coming Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at the Oklahoma City campus, I want all the Oklahoma City metro campuses, everybody who desires to be a small group leader, if you're a coach, if you, if you just think, I, I, I'm going to be a small group leader this semester, I'm just thinking about it, I'm interested in it, would you meet me here at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night, this Wednesday, I want to invest in your life. I want to share my heart with you. I want to share a vision with you. It's going to be a great night. Here's what I'm saying. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust the Lord. He has your best intentions in mind. I want to share one more scripture with you. First Timothy chapter two and and verse number three says this. This is good and pleases God. You got to catch this. Pleases God, our savior, who wants 
all men. How many? Who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Here's what you have to understand. God is not sending anyone to hell. God wants all people to be saved. God's doing everything that he can to reach your family, to reach you, to reach your friends, to reach this world. But people have the choice to reject God. People have the choice to reject his love and reject his grace and his mercy. God didn't create us as robots. You have a choice, you have a free will. God didn't come down today at your place where you live and tell you what to wear today. You have a choice. After church today, you have a choice where you want to go eat and what you're going to eat. Go home, go out to eat. You, you, you have a, you're not a robot. You have a choice. And you get to choose if you want to surrender your life to God. And I want you to know something about your God. People think, you know what, God, it's just, he's got to be mean. I can't trust him. He's just trying to send me to hell. He's just trying to kick me to hell. He's just looking for, he's just looking for just a technicality. Just think me to hell. No, that's not God. God wants all men. The reason he has not come back for his church, because God loves humanity and he's doing everything that he can. He sent his son Jesus to die. He sent his spirit that's on the earth convicting people of sin. He has his church that he's using to reach people. Matter of fact, someone of you, you just don't even realize the call that's on your life. There's a call on your life to reach your neighbor. There's a call on your life to reach your coworker. There's a call that God's put on your life. You are the light for them to reach the student at your school, to, to take that wild world invite call. God actually wants to use you. That's his love. That's his grace. You're an extension of it to somebody to invite, to get to church. So their life can be changed because God wants everybody, everybody to be saved. I want you to hear me. If you're far from God today, God loves you. He's chasing after you. He wants to rescue, from, rescue you from your sin, rescue you from yourself, and he wants you to trust him with all of your heart today. He's a God of grace and compassion, and he wants to forgive you of every single mistake because God is good.